1: From the 5th Quarter Studios in Madison, Wisconsin, you're listening to Coach Unplugged. And now, your host, Steve Collins. Hey everybody, welcome, welcome, welcome to Coach Unplugged. I'm so happy you decided to join us today. Before we jump into the podcast, I'd like to give a big shout out to our sponsors. First of all, Dr. Dish, the number one shooting machine on the market I think my record, I I forget. I always want to say it's 47, but I think it's 27 seconds to take this thing. It's so easy to set up and take down. Um, It's so nice with the screens now and how it comes with workouts and things for the players to do. Um, you, You will not be disappointed in it. Mention Coach Unplugged. They'll give you $400. You said it right. I, I went to them and I said, I got to take care of my people. Uh, 350 is not enough. You mentioned coach unplugged they will give you $400 off your next purchase. So go over and check it out. Also go over and check out dot for coaches who want to get better. It's what allows me to put this podcast out every day. And it's what allows me to put all the free resources and things I do out into the world. It pays the bills so go over and check it out. 14 day free trial. It is a one stop shop for basketball coaches. It is everything that you need. You get my email address. You're able to contact me. You're able to jump in our office hours. You're able to find anything. If we don't have it, we'll find it for you along with a 14 day free trial. So go over and check that out. Also, we'd love if you love these podcasts, um, we'd love you if you went over and checked out high school hoops or the five minute basketball coaching podcast or the funnel down defense podcast. We'd love if you go check those out. We'd also love if you left a five star review. All right, let's head off to the pod. Let's head off. Bye. All right. Welcome to coach unplugged. So I was I, w- I had the privilege of meeting coach. Gosh. So I'm I'm trying to think it was not last summer. It was two summers ago, I think, is when we were making our college sweep through and um, and, and I didn't tell you this off the air or anything like this. You made a huge impression on Drew. Um, you were one of several coaches. It's like, ooh, I really like. So that's a compliment to you because we met with a bunch of coaches because he was looking school first, and then if he could play basketball, he could play basketball. But um, you made you – made, I think that was in the admissions office. You made, um, you made a huge impression on him. So I'm sure there will be some talking back and forth when uh, – Hopefully you'll see each other at some point along the way. Yeah. Um, I'm going to
0: send Drew's check in the mail for that compliment. I appreciate that. No, but it
1: was true though. And it's like, I remember, it's funny how those college visits, um, I was telling Ryan yesterday, the first time he visited Vassar because my nephew goes there, it was 110 degrees and he goes, I ain't going to school here. It was, it's a, it's, it's, it's crazy. And this must, we'll talk about this later about recruiting, but that one bad imprint on him took, for he even to even look at it the second time, we had to say, you have to go back. It was hot. I know you were miserable. The tour wasn't great. I mean, um, yeah. those first impressions are huge. So you made a huge good first impression. That was, that's a compliment. So anyway, co- the, coach, the, the coach, you sent me some nice notes. No, just kidding. Uh, coach Sweeney, um, introduce yourself to kind of tell your basketball journey, kind of how you ended up at, at, at Con. They, I do know that they they say that a lot. Con, Connecticut College, and when you go there, it's it's the con or con, right? It's um. Yeah,
0: that's kind of the lingo. Although
1: officially, uh, you know,
0: they love to hear Connecticut College. Con is they, sort of the short. They hand. do, yeah.
1: and, and and the mascot's a camel. It's a camel. Yes, we're it a hardy
0: desert beast that
1: you know drinks a lot of water and then doesn't need it for. In Connecticut. In Connecticut. In in Connecticut. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, go ahead, coach. I'll let you kind of tell your basketball journey and then we'll dive in here.
0: Well, thanks, Steve, for the kind words. Um, And it was a pleasure to meet you and Drew on the visit. And that was a wonderful day. I'll I'll remember that. Um, Yeah, I I just uh, entered my second year at Connecticut College as the head coach. Um, I'll kind of work backwards. Um, You know, we're really excited about what we're doing. We're in the NESCAC, which is you know, arguably the, one of the better division three leagues in the country. And so, um, and as you mentioned, you know, we'll be facing off against True at Middlebury shortly. Um, so it's a great challenge. We're really and, excited. And, and I'll
1: and I'll jump in two seconds here. Ryan yep. and I were talking about because we're in was I'm in Wisconsin and mm-hmm. I'm going, you don't understand what's in our backyard. Like the WEAC well, is like
0: <laughs> when I tell you my story, I think you this will come full circle. Okay. So um yeah, so I was able to uh I was very fortunate. Prior to Connecticut College, I was the head coach at Hobart College in in upstate New York um, uh, for five years, and it was a wonderful five years. Um, They gave me an opportunity to become a head coach, and it it was just an amazing time. I met some wonderful kids, families, uh, just an incredible experience, and we had... A lot of fun, um, you know. I'm excited that you know. Upon leaving Hobart to come to Connecticut, uh, we left the place in great shape. Uh, Stefan Thompson, who's the coach there now, is a wonderful young coach. Actually, led them to the Sweet 16 in Division three this year um, before the season got canceled. So Do they, they I, is, is
1: Hobart? Because I swear Hobart was on Drew's list too. Is Hobart like two schools? Like, is there girls?
0: Hobart and William Smith is the is the name of the okay. college.
1: Yeah. I knew that. It's not it's not one that jumps out in the Midwest. Like Hobart's not one that. People have heard of Connecticut College. They haven't necessarily heard of Hobart. It's but I think that's gonna change soon. I do.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And Stefan will do a great job continuing to, to build it higher and higher. But so that was that was definitely a, a great experience that I was grateful for. And and prior to Hobart, I was a division one assistant for eight years. So um, I spent five years um, as the associate head coach at Elon University down near Greensboro, North Carolina. Um, where we when I was there, played in the Southern Conference, which was a great league. Um, after I left, they transitioned to the to the colonial. Um, not to get too technical, but that was that was my time there. Loved loved everything about being at Elon. Um, prior to that, I was at Bucknell University for a year in Pennsylvania in the Patriot League for a year, working for uh, Dave Paulson, who's now at George Mason. And then uh, the two years before that, I was an assistant at Davidson College, working for Bob McKillop, who. By the way, these last two days have been brutal. They've lost two like, heartbreaking games in the Maui Invitational. Um, so, But Coach does an amazing job. You know, I almost I would categorize that as getting my PhD in basketball, working for Coach McKillop, um, because prior to that, I worked at my alma mater, which is the University of Rochester in upstate New York, where I coached for three years, played for four. So I was there for seven and uh, had an amazing time there was lucky enough. And here's where I'll bring everything full circle. We, as an assistant coach in 2005, we played Wisconsin Stevens point in the national championship game and they scored on 13 straight possessions, beat us by about 25
1: in the national championship. That's that, sorry. That was Jack. That was Jack Bennett's team, right? Jack
0: Bennett, uh, Cal Stowe, Bennett's son. They were loaded. Bennett's uh, son could shoot like no one tomorrow. Could shoot. And and actually uh, this kid, Jonathan crawl, I'll never forget this Had 28 points in the final. He was their fifth option. Um, they were just so balanced, so well-coached. Um, actually, I was an assistant, so I, I met some of those guys in the hotel. They were great guys. Um, I think a bunch of them still coached. So, yeah, I mean, you know, no shame in losing in the final. But they, you know, like you said earlier, the WIAC is an incredible league. I know how good the teams are out there. And Actually, when I was at Hobart, we, we played a double overtime game with Eau Claire and down in tampa florida so that was another heartbreaker it's because we
1: don't have any D 2s so i think they some of the you know and only a couple d1s so i think the d i think we there's a benefit to that but it's brutal for for the tournament if you're playing one of them in the tournament it means they came through a gauntlet like <laughs> you know um which is crazy uh and where did where did you play high school basketball I grew up in northern New Jersey, so I went to a small
0: public high school right outside New York City, kind of in that upper right-hand corner of New Jersey. So I, you know, I'm a Yankees guy. I'm, you know, New York sports fan. I'm, you know, I grew up in the shadow of these. So I, I played basketball there. Um, you know, had had a great high school coach. He won 600 games. Really, uh, you know, was a wonderful, wonderful mentor to me. Um, helped me fall in love with the game. Um, had some great people there. I actually, ironically, used to train with a kid who played at Davidson down the road. So, yeah, just lots of – I think the best thing about basketball is you connect with so many people across the, the country and the world that have similar
1: interests and you just get to meet a lot of great folks. There's only one New York, New York, man. I'm telling you, there's only one New York, New York. Yeah, when I was in high
0: school <laughs> in the late 90s, um, there were some serious point guards. And even in New Jersey, um, you know, Jason Williams, who's on ESPN – people don't remember how good he was as a player. He was the number one player in the country. Um, and he was a year ahead of me. And so, yeah, there's, it, it was amazing to grow up in that area. And, um, I can remember
1: taking the the bus to five-star basketball camp, which was out in the Poconos. I went to five-star and I went to blue chip. those, you either went to, so for the, for the youngsters, the four AAU, you either went to five-star or you went to blue chip. Um, yeah. Well, how
0: about this for name, name dropping? I, I went to Five Star Homesdale, which was the, the camp in the Poconos where I actually used to ride the bus from New York City, um, you know, because my parents were working. And and uh, my bunk counselor was Ron Artest back when he was known as Ron Artest. And, and,
1: yeah, I can I just- top that. I got to see Larry Bird. We So I was in Rensselaer, Indiana for, for Blue Chip. I got to see... Um, I got to see uh, Larry Bird play Akeem Olajuwon one-on-one at camp. That's amazing. (laughs) Unbelievable. It was like, you know, and that was like, it wasn't like 85 ESPN channels at that point, people. It was like (laughs) one ESPN channel. (laughs) That's right. That's That's amazing. There was was one. No. Hey, so the one thing about New York, I've talked to some coaches um, from New York, New York area, New York City. Um, it seems like the here's the issue New York's having a little bit. It's a lot of the kids are leaving town. Um, as youngsters. Yeah, the, the prep school basketball up here in New England. I mean,
0: you were you know, Drew's coming to Middlebury. I mean, it's it's an amazing area. The preps the prep schools are for, for basketball and the setups they have now. I, I do feel like, you know, in, in New Jersey and New York, a lot of those kids are starting to migrate north and head, head off to some of these prep schools. There's no I know way. it
1: is. It is it's, it's interesting. Those prep schools are like, like like running a D3 program in some respects. So, um, so let's talk about the stuff you sent me with the, was it offensive stuff? Let's talk about that a little bit before I dump in. I got tons of questions for you. Sure. So do you want to just talk about it? You want to share your screen? How do you want to work this? Sure. If, I can we, uh, we can, we can free flow it. I think I said it so you can share the screen. Um, I'll edit the dead space out there cause that's what I do. Uh, and then we'll, um, and then we'll just talk and then I've got, yeah, well, I'm sure anytime we go down a rabbit hole, I've, i I tend to have, uh, I tend to have some questions. Okay. I'm working
0: on, uh, I apologize to all the listeners. I'm a little, uh, technologically deficient.
1: No. <laughs> yes. No uh as you're doing this i'm gonna talk too. i uh bucknell was on drew's list bucknell was on my list if you can believe that i i i yeah it was that's an interesting i i I think i didn't like lewis i didn't like the town as much it was part of the problem with um with bucknell a little bit it was isolated but the patriot league is a great league Drew colgate was on drew's list for school um he liked colgate a lot okay how's that working that's perfect
0: let me uh, set up the slideshow for us. Oh, nope.
1: Just hit, you hit present, present pr- presenter view. That will work. That should there make it big. There you go. All
0: right. So, you know, and when we were getting ready to talk here, Steve, I just, you know, I felt like give a little philosophy stuff um, for a college program and then yeah, a little bit of kind of our offensive and really overall um, you know, foundational things. So, You know, first and foremost, and this is something that you and I and Drew talked about on your visit to our campus is kind of what's our purpose. I think it's always a good idea to start there with your program and and your team. And, you know, quite simply on this first graphic, I mean, we want to create this winning program where there's a special um, there's a special feeling about being in the program. It's something that um, I think we can all feel and describe it but sometimes you don't have the right words and I think those those bonds and memories are are what it's all about so the first first anchor there is sort of creating that environment where we're finding good people that want that and then the second is um, really having authentic relationships with each guy and and helping them become the best version of themselves so you know kind of that combination of you know jumping into a program where you want to have a lot of team success but then also um, having the the motivation to become the best version of yourself and the best individual academically in the community on the court. And, and then the ultimate goal is to have folks leave Connecticut college prepared for the next 50 years of their life. And that's right. That's the model of the program. And, and that parallels neatly with the school. It's a liberal so, arts college. So
1: let me, let me ask a couple questions on this before we go to the next yeah. one. So we're, people are listening to this. They might listen to it five years from now, whatever. The interesting part about podcasts is they don't really go anywhere. But, um, so we're in the pandemic right now. We're in, we're, 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 what I tell my, my athletes is the cavalry's coming. We're close to being, I'm hoping we're close to being near the end. Um, but so this has been a unique nine months for you from March until we're doing this, um, in December. How, how has that affected being able to do those things? Like find, like there's no, been no Ivy league camps. There's been no, like, how, how are you finding the athletes that you want to come to to connecticut college it's got to be harder for you now um, it's harder for all of them I, i'm assuming but how how is how is that pivoting because it's if it 's about relationships it's got to be a lot harder to do that
0: yeah i mean the the whole idea of being able to go sit in a gym with someone and getting to know them a personal way like just by sitting next to them and watching them interact with their teammates and their parents and And watching them play yeah that's out the window Steve so it's it's been incredibly challenging I think it just you know for us here it's been we've had to just work harder you know we've had to have more conversations we've had to you know just try to be as thorough as we can be and and having great conversations asking the kind of questions that we're curious about letting the student athletes ask us questions they're curious about you know one of the big things um, I feel strongly about is making sure we're painting a picture for these recruits of what it's actually like here. Right. Right. We can, we can come up with an incredible zoom presentation that looks amazing, but at the end of the day, like I I want each, each individual to kind of know what the place is about, what it's really like. And yeah, just so, but to answer your question, it's been incredibly hard. Um, You know, I think, you know, our, our mentality or the mentality we try to, you know, hold on to every day is sort of, we have no control over the external events. So we just have to make the absolute best of what, what we've been dealt. And that's, again, um, we're not deviating from, you know, what we want to try to be about. That's, that's right. And I
1: think in, here here's the, here's the thing. Cause and the only reason I know this is because Drew is applying to these kind of schools is you're dealing with, so let's say, let's say that a hundred percent of the high school basketball players are here you want to recruit 50% of them, but only about 5% of them can probably get into your school. Uh, um, so how do you narrow that other than, I mean, do you, I mean, cause you could have a kid in Nevada that might be a good fit academically, all the basketball wise, all that stuff. Um, and it's, it's gotta be easier when the world's open um, cause you can go to camp. You can, but h- how has that changed? How is that pivoted?
0: Yeah, I, you're, you're right. In many ways, I, I think, um, You know, when it comes to sort of the geography of it and finding kids in different areas of the country, that's that's challenge. That's always been a challenge. Just again, you know, I think you know the league we're in. We don't have this tremendous budget where we can fly all over the place. But you know, that's the beauty of the internet is you know, kids can connect with us. We can connect with them in, in such a way now that it really makes the world a smaller place. Right. So. You know, we've been able to do a lot with video. Um, I'd be lying if I said you know it's way harder to really know based off video than it is like you know again being up close with somebody and actually spending time with them. So, I think that's probably the biggest thing. Is I think the way I would describe it is we can we can learn a lot. We can really really do our homework, but that lack of personal touch is definitely changing the recruiting. You know, not for the better right
1: now. Well, and it's hard too because like. So this is just me from an old dog that's coached a long time is I can watch, let's say we're playing team X. I can watch film on team X, but I, I really know how good they are and what they do when I see them in person. I always try to see everyone in person because I can do that as a high school coach. I can try to maybe scout before I actually have to play them. So it's really hard um, Yes. to, to, to evaluate like, I could literally send you a tape that makes Drew Collins look like he belongs in the NBA. And it would be clips of like two seconds. I mean, I'm just saying it's like, yeah. those things are fine, but that doesn't really tell the type of player that they are. Um, and even watching game film. So I, I have a lot of empathy. I know how hard that is um, to, to be able to tell um, moving forward. So um, yeah, let's go on to the next side. That's, that's perfect.
0: So, you know, and then kind of sticking with sort of this recruiting and, and what we're looking for, um, this is just kind of our, our simple way of thinking about it, um, you know, and we kind of share this with guys. Like, this is what we're looking for. So, again, as I mentioned earlier, I don't want there to be any surprises, right? I right. mean, I think if I could describe the environment here at Con right now is that, you know, it's sort of basketball nerdy, I guess, would be the best way to describe it. Like, we, we love to talk about the game, um, you know, we had a nice period here in the fall where we had about three and a half weeks of practice and, you know, we really got a lot out of it. We were able to teach and, and go through a bunch of things. And so we, so number one, we look for guys that just love the game. And I think right. people have different definitions of that. So we use ours, which is, you know, might be different than someone else's. And, and I think to put it simply, it's just, you know, when you're not doing your schoolwork and you're not, you know, spending family time, you know, you probably love to play basketball. And right. It, there's you know a million other things going on like you know you got to start to wonder do you, how much do you actually love it and I think that's that's a challenge because at the same time like I would also say this Steve we we do want well-rounded kids and we want different kinds of kids and we want guys with different interests because I think that makes the experience all the better and that's just the way life is so uh, but there's got to be that bond where you know I think our guys need to enjoy the game they need to love love to play it um the second big one is you know loving to compete so then i always feel like you have that group of guys in your team and you'll you'll probably relate to this that maybe they don't love basketball as much as you know a drew or somebody else but they just love to compete you know it could be pool or darts or ping pong but they're going to be those kids that just compete no matter what and i think that's a real important fabric to a really good team and program is having
1: just people that are wired to to get after it and and just I'm you know. telling you, all my great teams. I usually had a couple of non basketball players. Now they played basketball, obviously, but mm-hmm. they were competitors. Right. I'm telling you, it's the. I think people, especially for the young coaches listening, the everyone loves the accolades and the crowds and the on the you know grandma calling you and saying you scored 12 points, whatever. But the the ones that want to compete, mm-hmm. those are the. I mean, I think that's what makes the conference championships. That's what makes the deep runs. Those are the guys that like. You can't sit and play, play t- PlayStation or two K with them because someone ends up throwing their their you know controller because they're so competitive kind of thing. You're
0: gonna yeah. lose a tooth with a from an elbow. Yeah, I, right. I mean, I think those good teams, Steve, I couldn't agree more. and I we have a term we call them connectors. They're guys that just sometimes they connect your other guys to each other, and they just they might not be the best player. And I can think of guys whether it's Hobart or Elon or anywhere I've been where we've had connectors on our best teams that. Um, that love to compete. They're not the best player, but absolutely. So that's, you know, that's, a, that's an area where we're looking. And then, and then I think the third one, and this is like sort of a stolen from Popovich and I phrased it differently, but you know, he always talks about how you kind of have to get over yourself. And I did, I think for college kids, that's a little different. It's, it's they're not pros. So it's more about, um, you know, wanting to just be a part of a team wanting to be on a winner. And I think that's a really it almost seems probably to some like that's so simple. Like, why would you write that down and put it on this thing? And, but I just think it's something that people need to think about. I, you know, I guess where I'm going is sometimes, you know, the focus of of folks is on numbers, performance, me, how am I playing? And I think, you know, deep down the, the bulk of your group has to be about like, did Connecticut college win the game? What does that number on the left-hand side say? Is it more than the other team? And that's just hard. You know, there's no right answer. There's no way to put a questionnaire out and figure that out with the guys you recruit even. But, um, you know, again, as I said earlier, we just like to be clear with like, these are the things
1: we believe – Lead to success. There's no, there's no. I mean, trust me. Yeah, I think to be honest with you, I'm biased because obviously Drew's going to Middlebury. I'm biased that that league is a is un, un that's unbelievable league in my opinion because I think there's a balance between people that are competitive and want to play basketball, but also understand the the spectrum of the world. Now, there's exceptions to the rule. Obviously, the Miami Heat will tell you there are exceptions to rules in, in the Nasdaq and there's kids that can go from there. To, or to the NBA. But for the most part, most of those people are, are more likely to run the NBA teams and to play on them, to be honest right. with you. Right. You know, yeah,
0: no, it's fun. And that's, that's the other thing about the, the NESCAC and, and our place is that it's um yeah, it's, it's a, it's a great thrill to be able to, you know have a conversation with a guy about something outside of basketball you know that that they do right. like you said have a healthy perspective on things and I'm telling you right now I mean you you were on our campus we've got some guys that you know they start talking about their academic expertise and stuff like they lose me I, I can't even keep
1: up so <laughs> do you um do you lose and I've never asked any of the coaches in the league do you guys lose guys or or gals I guess if they were women's coaches, um to doing study abroad do you lose people because no one really takes a red shirt year in, in, in that league probably um
0: yeah um you know it's it's rare but it does okay. happen yeah okay. it does happen uh, we had a really really good player at Hobart actually who was just quite frankly one of the smartest uh student athletes I've ever interacted with um and his dad was a college professor and Um, he made a decision to go abroad the fall of his senior year. And it was a tough decision for him, but it was a once in a lifetime opportunity to travel with his dad and do something special. And so that was actually an interesting example of that. Yeah. So it does happen. Um, And like you said, it's usually for like a really incredible reason. There's a, there's a really good reason to do it. And in that case, you know, this particular kid had a, had a really strong Strong reason. reason. Yeah.
1: Yeah. All right. Let's go on to the next one.
0: So this is, uh, you know, just sort of as we introduce our, our playing style to our guys, um, and this is sort of ripped um, directly from Coach McKillop and sort of, you know, some foundational things he does. But, you know, for us, we just have these four keys, we call them the, really nickname them like the core four, and we want our guys to be able to do these four things at a really high level. Um, so I can kind of go through them broadly, and then I included a slide on just what, what we mean by see, but okay you know, at the end of the day, like we just feel like if you're a player and you can you can see, and when we say see, we just mean literally being able to like read the floor, like be able to look at something during the game and understand like what it is. Um, so that that would be the first one. The second one is in is talk, and that's pretty self-explanatory. But um, it's it's talk in our language, so using our terminology to communicate with one another in a very crisp and and sharp way. Um, to use an example, or sort of Elaborate, you know, we're not big on like like the um, what I would call just like the loud and and repeated communication. You know, for us, it's really we we emphasize like real meaningful communication. So, if it's a screen, what direction? If we have a coverage, you know, what color or whatever we're using to describe it, you know, that's what we're talking about. Just concise, clear, um, and that's something that we practice and. In addition to that, we expand that to mean, you know, communication. So, you know, if we're teammates and there's something off the floor, talking is really important. Like if we don't talk and communicate, we don't work out issues. We don't understand each other. So as a program, like these first two, the seeing and being alert and aware of things and then the talking are just super important to us. And and Steve, I found over the years, you know, the best players – they don't always look the best physically or, 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 anything like that, but often the best players are masters at these two things just because of their intelligence, um, their commitment to it. So those are two, two big areas that would almost, you know, some people might even call those soft skills, I guess, right. They're not, um, they're not literal things. So, th- you know, that's where we start. And then to us, like playing with balance is such an important skill and, Um, You know, just the whole concept of, you know, passing on bounds, shooting with good bounds, you know, just basically doing everything on the court with the appropriate footwork and sort of um, positioning is important to us. And then the final one is the game is scoring, right? So finishing is huge. You no, know, and I think it's a different thing. Like for your 6'10 kid, finishing is different than your your 5'9 point guard. And so, but we emphasize this sort of finishing things. And then, again, we use these analogies to carry over. We want to finish the drill, finish the segment, finish the practice, finish the week. Like we want to be finishers. We want to follow through and, and finish
1: on things. So this is sort of our, again, I'd call it. Our could be a li- those four points could be a life points. Like, well, that and that's could, still, that could be marriage 101 <laughs> see, talk, balance, and finish. Like, well, I had it. My, my first AD as head coach, uh, was,
0: was an amazing leader, and he had one of my favorite expressions. and I know I'm supposed to wait on, like, quote, but he said, Yeah, his, his whole thing was, We teach what we need to learn, and I think that's a very apt statement. I, you know, these are these four categories, you're right, they apply to life, they apply to me, probably more than our players, so right. And the funny so, part is, like,
1: it, it, and and we'll get into we'll dive into the practice and how you kind of do those kind of things later. But um, your 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 players are busy. they they're not taking like underwater basket weaving. Like time is precious to them. So to be able to do those things effectively and and, and to move is is awesome. Um, yeah. yeah, let's let's just talk. We'll talk about C. We can do the one slide. That's perfect. We can talk about C. Yeah.
0: So I just put some examples here. You know, it's a little wordy. So apologies there, but just some examples of what we mean. So one, one concept that we try to ingrain our guys is like taking that snapshot before your catch. So just understanding as you, as you play at higher and higher levels, you know, being able to like look at the floor prior to your catch and sort of anticipate. I use a baseball analogy. I used to love playing baseball. I know kids don't play baseball anymore, at least in the East coast, but um, you know, it's almost the analogy, like when you're on second base and the pitcher's getting ready to wind up, like, you know, you're thinking ahead. You know, all right. If hit it hit on the ground, I'm going to run. If they hit it in the air, I'm going to go halfway. You know, up there's only one out. I'm going to go back to the bag. So it's sort of, you know, before I catch the ball, I'm reading the floor. I know where my teammates are. I'm reading the defense. So just kind of that that snapshot. We call it catch and see, literally. Um, you know, other things practicing the floor. So the way we we talk about this in practice is, you know, we're in a drill like this is one of my favorites, Steve, you'll probably laugh at this. Like you get the drill going and a kid runs through the middle of the drill to go back to the end of the line, like right through the action. And you, and you stop and you just go, wait, well, wait a minute. Like, why did you do that? And, I stole this from Coach McKillop, but one of my favorite things is, like, he used to get on guys, like, oh, you must have grown up not in a city because you don't know how to look around and see traffic. Right. You you definitely didn't grow up in New York City.
1: You'll get run over. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) So, like, there's something to be said when you grow up in a city. Like, your head's on a swivel. You're looking around. So, we actually talk a lot about that. Um, And what you find is, you know, some kids don't – haven't practiced, like, literally opening their eyes and looking around. So, I think it's a way to kind of – Teach your kids to slow down, see what's developing in front of you. Um, you know, so that's there. You know, I put another one, observe line rotations, like how's the drill happening. It's just, I think this is important stuff, even though it might seem sort of, um, you know, peripheral. And yeah, but the,
1: here, here, and when you talk about observed line rotations, I can tell the leaders that, like, and I've had a handful of these, that we'll be doing something, and there'll be two people in one line, five in the other, and you get those special kids that will all of a sudden – they'll grab another kid and they'll move to the other line because they see that it's not going to work. And, and that's what what you're talking about. They see that it's like, Whoa, this isn't going to like, this is going to tick off coach. We got to get this all straightened out. Um, But I love that. I love observe line rotations is great. I love that.
0: So yeah, you have the kind of logistics there. And then a couple other examples, just like, you know, our playing style, like when you catch your eyes, go to the rim, you know, am I open? Where's my defender? Where are my teammates? Again, I believe, I really believe this is a skill that you practice um, and and that you need to talk about. And, um, you know, and I think, you know, for us, as you said, we don't have a lot of time with these guys. um, So it's really, really important um, no matter what we do strategically that we have just a baseline foundation of like how we're going to pass catch and play um, so that we're all on the same page.
1: So. I love the eyes on the rim. We were, we. were So again, I'm, this is on my bucket list at some point to get this done, but um, terminology is so important for the young coaches that are listening. Like We refer to it as peak, like you're supposed to peak at the basket at all times. Whenever you catch the ball, you peak. And because that's where everyone's cutting, that's where everyone's moving, that's where the space is. So when you catch it, you better peak at the peek at the rim, peek at the basket. I like that Um,
0: term. That's great.
1: Yeah. But I mean, I think that's what, especially for some of the younger, you got to come up with your terms, Um, but we just, yeah, I love the eyes on the rim because, and then I'll explain to them why I'm telling them that because that's where everything's happening, guys. That's where all the space is moving. That's where the cutter is going to be. That's where you want it. And then I take the selfish standpoint. It's like, don't you want to score? You should look at the rim first. Well,
0: it's, it's crazy, Steve. I, I couldn't agree more with the eyes on the rim and what you call peak. I mean, I'm, I'm watching high-level Division One games and watching guys travel and, and not do that. And so it's actually interesting, like, with our college guys, I and mean, we're talking about eyes on the rim on the catch, and then we talk about it at the end of their move. You know, I think a lot of guys don't put their eyes on the target when they shoot a shot, especially inside the paint. Their head stays down and they're, you know, yeah we know you know where the rim is but you should probably put your eyes on it and again that seems like such a a simple concept no, i'm watching
1: the duke michigan state game last night was it last night yeah it was last night and and literally there's guys catching it and they're not even looking at the rim they're just passing it's like oh my god it's like a fifth grade and i understand it's early these guys are some of the best basketball players in collegial level but again they if they would have peaked someone would have had a dunk you know kind of thing um and trust me, Coach Izzo and Coach K will take care <laughs> of that problem. Yep. Not at all concerned about it, but in in the it's we're in the weird world of COVID. But um, it's just weird to see it at that level, you know, sometimes.
0: Yeah. And it just shows you, you know, that even college kids aren't immune to it. You know, high school coaches probably have the hardest job but then even the college coaches like myself like we're teaching this stuff and we're and we're, we're trying to to get better and better at it so you know you have the eyes on the rim on the catch and then I think the next progression logical progression is I think your best players at least at our level they also see the help and they see the rotations and they see what's coming and they can anticipate it um, and that's when you really I think take your game to the next level is being able to read that and you know, if I'm being honest, I I can remember my playing days. It probably took till my, my junior year in college to
1: really, you know, excel at that. I
0: would say so, really
1: good. The really good ones just kind of like, oh my goodness, how can you like bottle that? Because like I had one that's a senior this year. I feel really bad because he's probably not gonna have a season. But he would he he can tell when you turn your head for a millisecond, and as soon as you do, he's gone. He's like, Doop, and it's like there's there's just those like yeah, they read it. They don't have the ball and they know that they only have the ball, a very small, it's the stats teacher. me. you only have the ball in your hands, a very small part of the game. So if you're good at the other part, you know, you become invaluable in a lot of respects. Yeah. So, yeah. So hopefully that, you know, that, that gives the coaches
0: a little bit more on, on like what we're trying to do. And I agree with you, Steve. I don't think this is something that um, like, I would say if we're, if we're going to break this down in percentages, like I don't think you can teach a hundred percent of this. In other words, I, I couldn't agree with you more. A lot of this is natural, um, but I do think it is something that is worthy of of pursuing, you know for us as coaches, because um, I believe you can teach guys to make to make reads of course and to see things. and I, I just think that's the, you know that that's that was my experience as a college player. I played for a great coach um, who won. 600 games at Division three level. so
1: it was, it was. a lot I of tell fun. my guys, and this is, I think this is Corelli, the the smart take from the strong man. Like, trust me, you, it, if you can, you can neutralize some some deficiencies in your game too, if you can do some of these things. Um, let's go to the last slide, and then because I got lots of questions for yeah. you, coach, so I want to make sure so I have time for that. I was gonna,
0: you know, when we were, you know, chatting pre-show, Steve. This was sort of going to be my um, coaching
1: thought to dive into later, but. I, I think this is just such a tough area. Hey, everybody. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you love it and you want to support us, go over and check out ttroops.com for coaches who want to get better. 14-day free trial as we talk. Subscribe, like, jump up and down, do whatever you got to do. Those Apple podcasts mean a lot to us. I read every one of them. Have a great day.
0: Sports Social Podcast Network.